Thank you, choir and special music today. Great way to celebrate Palm Sunday. If uh, you don't know me, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsell. It's my honor to share with you today in the sixth of this very special series on Palm Sunday, of course, uh, the celebration of the 40-day challenge. Uh, when you watch the kids this morning come up and sing and uh, they share their story with, uh, with pointing at you and uh, dancing and palm branches and uh, fun as well on that day. There's one little girl at the front I've known since she was born, uh, known her for all of her life and uh, know her really well. And a few months ago, uh, she came up to me because she had a loose tooth. And so she showed me her loose tooth and I said, well, let me see it a little closer. And she said, came up, opened her mouth, let me see if it's loose, you know, and I my hand in there, and it, I just popped it out right, right there. Uh, and she had this shocked look on her face. I've got kids and grandkids, I pulled lots of teeth, you know. And, and then she had a big smile on her face, toothless smile on her face, as I gave her a tooth back. So when I saw her last night when she sang there as well, I said, uh, do you have any loose teeth? She said, <laughs> sometime we learn, don't we? Today is Palm Sunday, and I want to show you a picture, if I can. It's a picture of a group of us in Israel just a very short time ago, which is a picture of us in Israel. There it is. Uh, and that's some of you, in fact, here were with us on this journey there in February. Uh, see us all there together, Pastor David and myself standing side by side at the back. My wife Rhonda is near the front. Uh, there's our guide and our bus driver there in the front as well. We're standing on the very top of the Mount of Olives. If you heard the story closely read, the Mount of Olives is where the journey on Palm Sunday into Jerusalem by Jesus and his followers with a donkey and all that, where it be, kind of begins that, that Palm Sunday morning. And so there it is behind us, Jerusalem today, looks like now. What you see behind us with the gold on the top is called the Dome of the Rock. It's a mosque, but they're about 1,500 years ago or so. Uh, but before that, when Jesus' time, that was where uh, the temple was, what's called the Temple Mount. Temple was probably twice the size of the Dome of the Rock. It was huge there, very central uh, to the city of Jerusalem, and a very imposing structure. So you might imagine Christ entering Jerusalem from this direction, seeing the temple, preparing to go into that city on what is what, what we call Holy Week, leading into Easter, Good Friday, all that. Uh, and in that time was Passover week. And there would have been huge crowds of people there to celebrate the Passover. Mostly Jewish people there to celebrate that. Uh, but also many non-Jews who actually believed in the one God who might mark that holiday as well. It was a big deal there in that city. Now, now down from here on the right, behind the group where, where we are standing, uh, is uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. It's all right there together. See, the Garden of Gethsemane, you can see it in Jerusalem, so you can from the Mount of Olives, so you can lead down to Palm Sunday. And in fact, while, right after this picture was taken, we kind of have a break, and I decided to go on ahead to the Garden of Gethsemane by myself for a while. And you were thinking I was going to have some religious moments there. Well, I, that came later, but what I was doing was I was photobombing Asian groups that were there taking pictures. Uh, everybody takes pictures in groups all over there, uh, and they're doing that. And, and I love, I don't know why. I love kind of sneaking back there and getting a picture there uh, and thinking they're going to get back to Taiwan and say, who is that tall American standing behind us making a groovy face? You know, that's, that's part of my journey to Israel along with the other spiritual moments. Next picture, please. That is actually a scene from uh, where I'm standing uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
Mount of Olives looking into Jerusalem, the very top of the Dome of the Rock there. And there's a wall around Jerusalem. That would not be the wall that was there then, but a wall something like that was around the city. And there would be a gate there that Jesus would enter into that city. So I want you to get an image of what's happening. Thousands and thousands of people gathered for Passover week, anticipating amazing things happening. And they've already heard a lot about this Jesus person. The miracles he'd worked. He'd raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, They were all talking about that. Uh, He had opposed so many people in that city in the way that he taught because Jesus was, uh, when he he, he stood against, he was was at odds really with the political power of his day, economic power of his day, and the religious power of his day. Strike one, two, and three. He covered it all. Just teaching love and grace, walking with God, forgiving, turn the other cheek. That was all at odds with his world in every venue of his world, from religious to political to economic. And so that's where he is. Next picture. Uh, This is what is actually on the other side of the wall, which is not too far from where the temple was back in the time of Jesus. And I put this picture here because uh, this area has been uh, excavated, uh, and that's the the original road that was there in Jesus' time. So Jesus could very well have walked down that road on Palm Sunday to the shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now, save us now. The palm branches being thrown into the road in front of him, which was a sign that he was the king, the coming king, a celebration of royalty. So that's why they would do that, along with blowing their cloaks in the road as well that he would walk on with the donkeys. And that's happening there in the next picture. Much like the first one, a little better shot of it. Our group is there. They're walking up and down, imagining Jesus there. The shops that would have been on one side there, the temple on the other side, the crowds everywhere during that season. Uh, in those days, the, will, the walls around would not have been like that. It would have been more flat to be there. So I want you to get an image in your mind of what's happening here on Palm Sunday and why it's so significant. It's, it's Passover week. There are crowds everywhere. Uh, this, this Messiah, this Christ, this rabbi, this teacher, this miracle worker has entered the city and the crowds are all celebrating in the middle of, 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 of this Passover week, this 33, 40-year-old rabbi walking in with his handful of fishermen disciples. What an amazing moment. And here is what they ask. They say, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Who is this? You know, as they entered and asked the question, uh, they shouted, Hosanna, which means, save us now, Lord. We need you to save us now. They knew their situation. They did not know what he was going to do, but they knew what they needed, and they asked him to save us now. And that was his task. Now, let's go back for a few moments to the birth of Jesus Christ. This comes 30-something years later. After being raised, uh, doing the miracles they taught for three years, so many things that happened in, in this season. And as, they, as, as he was born, the angel told both Mary and Joseph what he was going to do. So they would know what Jesus' task was. Now you ask me, what was that? He said, this is what the angel, this is what the, the angel said, He will save his people from their sins. That's what he's going to do. That's the work this Messiah that I'm sending into the world will be about. 
What I want you to do is take the pictures I showed you. This Passover idea, entering the city, Palm Sunday, all this, the shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now, and tie it to the promise that God made, this man will save the world from its sins. If we don't understand that, we don't understand anything about Holy Week. We don't understand anything about uh, Holy Thursday, communion, Good Friday, the cross. We understand even less about the resurrection. He came to save his people from their sins. Not long before this, Jesus was walking by a man who had been crippled. Uh, and in that season, uh, often people would bring you, our family would bring you, our friends would bring you to a very busy street and lay a crippled person there on the street. They could beg all day long to be able to gain enough alms to be able to feed themselves. They helped them do that. He'd been laying there probably day after day after day for many years, who knows how long. Jesus walked by casually. He walked by many beggars. They'd be full of, of beggars and the crippled and the hurting who'd be in these locations where there'd be crowds walking by. As he walks by, he just casually, he casually says, your sins are forgiven you. Now when he said that, the religious leaders around who were always there trying to get him in some kind of trap, trying to discredit him, as they were trying to do that day, they, they were in an uproar, we're told. An uproar, what he, that's heresy, blasphemy. Only, what are they, only God can forgive sins, they said. Who are you? And what does Jesus say? What does Jesus do? He says, okay, so you'll know that I have the power to forgive sins. Rise up and walk. And the man rises and walks, carrying his mat away, celebrating it what God had given him. So please tie Passover, Holy Week, Easter, the images that I showed you, the reading of Scripture, the story that I just told, the promise given at the very birth of Christ that is all about our sin. Do you get that? It's all about our sin and the grace God comes to give to save us from our sins. They wanted, these people wanted Jesus or anyone to drive the Romans out. Driving the Romans out would not have been salvation. They wanted him or anyone to put a Jewish king back on the throne, not the puppet King Herod they hated so much. That would not have saved anyone. That would not have been salvation. They wanted someone to rebuild the kingdom on earth, rebuild everything, and, and make Israel a great nation again. Again, that would not have been salvation. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to save them and us and anyone from our sins. And that's what he did. So here's where I'm going with this today. I'm sure that in your, in, in your life you've had times you needed someone to work on your automobile that your car's broke, and you want it. I needed that here a couple weeks ago. And who's going to fix it? How do you choose the person or persons or auto shop to work on your car? Well, I drove by one the other day. I'll go over there. Is that how you do it? Do you take that kind of risk? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. You probably don't. You probably ask around and say, do you? and that's what I did. I asked, do you, do you know anyone who works on Hondas? And this is what I've got. And, and I had a, a advice given. That's where I went. I want to have some kind of, it's going to be okay that I, that I can trust, that I can trust this auto shop to not take advantage of me, to fix my car, not charge me too much. And then when I go pick up the car up, it's going to actually work, right? Is that how you are? Uh, some years ago, I needed a cardiologist. And I promise you, I didn't go through the yellow pages uh, or go online to Google cardiologists. 
I did not do that. I asked my doctor, my family doctor, give me the name of a good cardiologist because I, I have an attachment to my heart beating regularly. That's important to me. And so I wanted to have a good cardiologist. So, so I, I wanted to find someone that I could trust. And so I chose that cardiologist. That's who I see now every year at this point. Glad to do that. Uh, earlier this week, I uh, needed some help with my garage door, needed my remotes to work. I wasn't sure how to do that. I had, didn't have much time. And so I asked around, and someone told me who to call. And I called that, I called that uh, garage door uh, person uh, who works on them. Uh, and he said, he, he asked, what's wrong? I told him, he said, you can fix that. I didn't expect that. I figured he'd come out and charge me $1,000. No, no, you can fix that. Just do this, this, this. Go to Home Depot, get this, and do that. I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And a few minutes later, it was fixed. I thought, I know how to do it now, but, you know, that's, that's somebody you can trust in, in that situation, you know. Now, now, please bear with me on what I'm talking about in Palm Sunday. The pictures you saw, the scripture verses read, and the beginning story, he came to save his people from their sins. And here are three questions I want us to ask ourselves. Can we trust Christ with our souls? Jesus said uh, to us clearly, what profits someone to gain the whole world and lose their own soul? He talked about the soul a lot. Second question, can we trust Christ with our lives? Our soul is one thing, seeing Christ face to face, heaven, everlasting life. But our life is another. Will I allow the Lord to influence my life? to define and shape what my life is going to look like, what it's going to be about, what it's going to be lived for, uh, how I'm going to reflect His grace in my own heart. Will I allow that? Do I trust Him that much to influence the, my life? And thirdly, can we trust Christ with our choices? And that's really where I think push comes to shove for many of us. Choices I make, do I trust Him enough to say, I want Him to influence that choice I'm going to make, that decision I'm going to follow through on, that way I'm going to choose to live, or I'm going to give, serve, love, all the things that are really uh, a very vital part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Will I go with him into Jerusalem as his disciples went that day, knowing his life had been threatened already, and so had theirs? So we're going to follow you, Lord, anyway. And in they go in that moment. A place where just, a, just a, a few feet away, thousands and thousands of animals were sacrificed every day, all day, except for Sabbath day, for the forgiveness of sins. And that blood that filled the streets in Jerusalem in those years was not enough to save. Were there thousands of zealots who were really kind of revolutionaries that were hidden in the background with swords and weapons ready at any time to, to rise up and destroy the Romans, cast them out. They were waiting for a leader to follow, and they thought he might be the one, uh, but they would not be able to save anyone. Where the detailed keeping of the law, details so involved that simply one commandment, and scroll after scroll after scroll explaining how to keep that law so you can be made right with God, that also is not enough to save anyone. And God sent Jesus to do that. So the question again is, who is this? The book of Hebrews, one of my favorite books of the Bible, the first chapter simply tells us who Jesus is in a very beautiful way. And I'm going to go through those verses quickly. The first one says this, in these last days, again the first verse of Hebrews 1, God has spoken to us by a son. God has spoken to us by a son. Now think about what we've seen already. 
uh, I'm in this stage of my life where I'm simply postponing when I see an audiologist to have my ears checked out. Now, my wife Rhonda thinks I should do that like right now. Uh, that's her perspective. Now, I'm not ready yet, but I know it's coming. Uh, there are several reasons that I know that it's going to come. In a crowded restaurant, I can't hear anybody speaking. And if it's a, fem- a woman's voice, I can't hear it at all. Just too high, I just don't hear in that setting. My TV is, I know, way loud. Now, it's fine to me, and I got no problem with how loud it is, but occasionally people come in and say, why is your TV so loud? Like my wife says that sometime. Well, I, that has to be that loud so I can, I can hear it. That's kind of, kind of where I am with the, with the hearing. You know, uh, uh, if I had a dollar for every time my wife said, shh, you're talking too loud. I'm not talking loud at all. You know, at a movie theater or a restaurant or a church or sitting next to Caesar talking over here, you probably don't hear me talk sometime when I'm during church because I talk too loud, you know. And you know when you're talking too loud, what that means means you don't hear well. And so I know it's coming, but I'm postponing it. Uh, about when that day, I, don't ask me why. I'm just going to postpone it. It will come. <laughs> and these last days, God's spoken to us through Son. The voice of God, oh, God, speak to me. God, talk to me. God, say something to me. Teach me, lead me, help me, direct me, guide me. And he says, I am talking. I'm talking through my Son. I can't speak any louder than what he did on Holy Week. Entering Passover week, miracles and teaching and loving and giving, facing the enemies of the, of the world and religious and politicals and, and the leaders of that time, going beyond that into Holy Thursday where he shared, he shared Passover and communion with his disciples. Good Friday, we have that picture of the cross so beautifully made for you and me. And then, of course, Easter, celebrate next weekend. He's talking, not good language, I'm not using... Uh, good grammar. He's talking pretty good. He's talking pretty good. Uh, He's spoken to us by his son. Secondly, whom he appointed heir of all things, the inheritance. Christ is heir of all things. In that culture, that was a big deal because if you're heir, you're heir of everything that person, who they were, uh, what they're about, what they had. I have a friend uh, a couple years ago uh, whose father passed away, and his father had been very, very good through the years of hiding that he had any money. His son had no idea he had the assets that he had. Uh, He wasn't aware. He didn't know. He hadn't paid attention. He was shocked to discover, I can retire now, which is what he did. After his father passed away, the inheritance came his way. We can overlook ourselves, the inheritance that God offers us in the son, Jesus Christ. The inheritance of, and what is it? What is it? He says, I'm going to save you from your sins. That that would destroy you and separate you and damage you. Keeps you from God and others. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to, make, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to wash it away and make your life brand new, clean, pure, and holy and blessed in our walk with God, all part of the inheritance of the Son. Third uh, verse here in the same text. Through whom, also he, through whom he also created the world. I am a uh, connoisseur of creation. Many of you are probably that as well. Uh, I enjoy all of it. I enjoy the desert, 
I enjoy the mountains. Uh, I enjoy the beach. I enjoy the ocean. I enjoy lakes and rivers. I enjoy my backyard with the flowers I planted and the butterflies that come to the flowers uh, and the bees that come around the, the flowers as well. I sit out there for hours and just watch the bees and butterflies and the flowers. I, I, you may wonder, is he really? Yeah, I, I really do. Ask my wife. I, I enjoy that. I'm a connoisseur of creation. And here God talks about how his son Christ, the Bible speaks to us how he is that one that, that is part of that creation. And so the, the creative power of God, the amazing nature of God has been aimed very squarely and clearly in this man named Jesus who gets on a donkey, rides into, rides into Jerusalem to save the world from his sins. Isn't that a beautiful way that God has brought all of his creative power, all the might of God in and aimed it directly through his son, all that that makes the world be and exist and the sun to, to, to form and shape and the skies to appear and the waters to have their boundaries put in place is now aimed in one place, and that's in Jesus. So who is this Jesus? The next verse of Hebrews, he is a reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. Reflection of the glory of God seen in this unique way and the imprint of God's very being. Who God is is seen in Jesus Christ. As most know here, I have an identical twin brother and there's unique things about twins. Now for us, it's perfectly normal. It's been all of our life, but we discover things as the years go by uh, that our DNA is the same. We have the same DNA. We learn that we can't argue with that truth. We're just stinking alike. We, we didn't like it when we were kids, but as adults, we've grown, okay, that's going to be that way. We can't stop it. Uh, our hair falls out the same, one at a time, you know. It, it's exactly the same. We, we, so we laugh about it with each other. You know, health issues kind of parallel each other in many ways, and uh, we talk about those in also our life as well. Uh, and one of the unique things about being an identical twin is our, our kids, his kids and my kids, uh, of course, they're cousins in the way what we look at it, but biologically, they're half-brothers and sisters, a little closer together than most cousins happen to be. We can't deny it. And so we're just kind of imprints of each other. You see Steve, you're thinking, is that Mike, you know? Uh, and when you see Jesus, you can say, is that God? Really? Is that really God? Is, is this really God? Is, is this what God is? Is God really like this? This is, this is what God is really doing in our world, in our life? Is this what God is interested in and cares about, involved in, uh, interacting with? Yeah, sinners who need salvation, sick people who need healing, dying people who need resurrection, lost people who need salvation and direction. That's what he's doing. That's who God is. And for people who, who captivately sing the God through all that is, we see God here, we can't doubt who he is. Reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And finally, he sustains all things by his powerful word. He holds everything together in the, in the magnificent word that we call grace. We teach it with justifying grace, sanctifying grace, prevenient grace. It doesn't matter all the different ways we look at it today, but it does matter that we believe in God's grace. God, God's grace is a tangible thing. It's not just a theoretical idea. That's a thought or something that happens. It is God acting in a very real, spiritual, present, cross-based, Holy Week-based work in our lives that holds all things together. It's where our smallness meets God's bigness. Our weakness meets God's strength. 
Our sin meets God's forgiveness. Our death meets God's resurrection. Center of our church, why we're here today. So the question originally we asked was, who is this? I think we often completely miss who Jesus Christ really is. We lessen his impact and are not aware of the huge impact that he is in this world simply by the ideas he came to save his people from their sins. It's a song I love to sing. You may have heard it before. You may have heard me sing it before. It's called Into My Heart. It's a very simple song, and we think about it maybe as a child's song. It sounds like a child's song, but it's not. Not if it's about Jesus. Not if it's about the one who saves us from our sin. Not if it's about the one who entered Jerusalem in Palm Sunday that, that day. Not, not if it's the, the Holy Thursday Jesus or the, in the Good Friday Jesus and the Easter resurrection Jesus and the one who came to save us from our sin. Not if it's about him. Uh, so, Scott, help me sing that. Or let's help me this time. Would you do that? Can you help? Is, is Sandra available to do that? Mm, we'll just do it off. Here, let me, let me go and sing it first, then we'll sing it right. So, <laughs> <laughs> my key usually is not anybody else's key. So, that's the problem that we have sometimes. I I, I, when you head this way, go and head on up, and then I'll, I'll just sing. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. We invite Jesus into our hearts. Who is this? The Savior, this amazing person reflects God's glory, the imprint of God's nature, through whom God created the world, the powerful, sustaining word for all of us, uh, the, 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 the voice of God and the heir of everything. I'm going to ask him to come into my heart. That's what he wants to do. Let's sing, help me sing it this time. That way you can sing it with me instead of me just singing it. please. Heavenly Father, we invited you into our lives through your Son, Jesus Christ. We invite you to enter our, our adventures, our experiences, our weaknesses, and our strengths, our families, our marriages, and our church. In that, God, we ask you to save us from our sin. May our life be full, abundant, long, and complete, and everlasting. Through, through your good news and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.